The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 8, the first three verses. But I will also, later on we will read Luke 7 from verse 36. Luke 8, chapter 1, ach, Luke 8, verse 1 to 3. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. In this passage, that short passage that we read together, we noticed the very most important thing that this world should take note of. That our Lord Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and save the lost. His business was to proclaim his Father's kingdom. A kingdom that cannot be overthrown by time, by space, by forces, evil forces, even people with well-meaning um, forces cannot overthrow this kingdom of his. His kingdom is established on forgiveness of sins. And this is what you and I need to keep ourselves busy with. Now, if you and I read through the Gospels and through the Epistles, we come across men like the Apostle Paul and John, and these men were focused on proclaiming this one message. Paul, for example, said, I have resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's all. That was His business. Now, when we read in this passage, we read about a number of women who were followers of Jesus. We read about these disciples, we read about the women, and specifically Mary Magdalene, and we read about Joanna, the wife of Cusa, in Herod's household. And so on. And then the many other. And the many other could just as well be us sitting here this morning. So this message is coming to you personally this morning that you and I need to open our ears and our eyes and start listening and start looking. That the end of the world is at hand and that the coming of Jesus Christ is on our doorstep. And that there is no other time for doing anything but proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now we read in this passage that of, about these women. And I'm, I'm convinced that these women were with Jesus as a result of their sins being forgiven. You realize? Those who belong to the church of Jesus Christ those people's sins have been forgiven 
because they testify about the new birth. You cannot belong to the church of Christ if you are not born again because Jesus said, if you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom of which he came to proclaim. Now these women were participating with Christ in proclaiming the kingdom of God. Now we read nowhere that these women went out preaching. They followed Jesus and as we read here, that they provided for Jesus and his disciples out of their own means. But the very fact that uh, Joanna was mentioned in the household of Herod would also mean that the word of God was declared even in the highest courts that they had known. And so Jesus made sure that his gospel was proclaimed among the poor and the outcast, among the sick, the demon-possessed, and those that were down and out in our society, but also among the highest in position in our society, in the kingly courts. And what we know is that they were reaping the spiritual blessings of supporting their master in his business. Now, when they supported him with their own possessions, it was not for selfish purposes, but to make sure that everyone knew firsthand that they were on the receiving end of the forgiveness of their sins and the healing of the world's oppression upon themselves. And we need to ask the question here, why did they do this? Why did they go along with Jesus? Why did they provide for him out of their own means while they also had their own homes to take care of? They knew that Christ's business was to proclaim the good news, that God in Christ became man, to die for their sins and to give them eternal life. Do you hear that, brother and sister? That is why Jesus came for you. He died for you. He died in your place so that you may go into this world and proclaim that the kingdom of God has visited you and that the kingdom of God had taken residence with you, in you, and there where you work, where you live, where you speak to people. You need to be a living witness of the gospel of the kingdom of God of good news that God reigns through the new birth and as a result as a result of what Jesus did he needed to be free from any burdens to do just that what was that to proclaim the kingdom of heaven that's why you and I have a job to do That's why you and I are in this world to make sure that the kingdom of God is proclaimed by those who are called to do so. Now, you can see here, as the word says there, they provided for them, meaning that them, meaning Jesus and his disciples, out of their means, they served him with their own possession. Now let me state it very clearly, 
this morning. What was Jesus' business? If I ask Jenny this morning, what is your business? She will say to you, I'm the headmaster of a school. My business is to teach the children to make sure that they are well equipped to face the world in which they grow up and live. And in the same line, she makes sure that they hear the gospel. That's her business. But to do that, she has others to support her. And that's the case with all of us here, to make sure that this church is in a position to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. So I want you this morning to look at the business of Jesus, and his business was preaching. And we're going to pay attention to where he preached. Um, we go secondly to look at what he preached, and thirdly, we will look at his helpers. And you will notice that his business was this one thing to make sure that your ears hear the good news that God in Christ forgave the world their sins. And everyone who looks with faith to him will be forgiven. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And God makes a promise that he keeps. Now, please turn in your Bibles with me to Luke 7, verse 36 to 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Now, look at this picture that the scriptures uh, paint here to us. It, it's the story. It's a narrative. And in every narrative, God is the main character. And you will see how God in Christ stands out here as the God of comfort, the Father of mercy. Look at this. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house. And he took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him, at his feet weeping she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment can you picture that a woman of lesser character and she's coming into your house and she's doing something that is outrageous isn't it and she starts weeping. And what would you and I say? Oh man, just get rid of this woman. Look at her. Isn't it? Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of a woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say a teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt 
of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. This is kind of a logical question, isn't it? I mean, you don't need a master's degree in maths to do that calculation, isn't it? True. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go do you hear what is the gospel of the kingdom? When God sees the broken sinner breaking down, knowing her dependence completely on the master of preaching, Jesus Christ, what did he do? He saved her. Because Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. Now these verses are very important for our understanding of Christ's earthly ministry as, uh, as Luke recorded it here in chapter 8 verse 1 to 3. He came to preach the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is about the good news that God in Christ forgives our sins. And you will say, Pastor, you have said that. I will say it ten times over that you can hear it again and again and again until you and I believe that, that God is out on looking for sinners to be saved. That's why you and I preach the gospel, brother. That's why you and I live in this world. Listen, your sins are forgiven. Listen to the words of God the Father because Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Listen, your faith has saved you go in peace and when God gives peace no one can take it away not even Satan can you see that it was an insatiable thirst that drove Jesus to preach the kingdom of God his ministry was to forgive and to save the lost that is the gospel now after this incident of Luke 7 verse 36 to 50 it says here that Jesus after the soon afterward he went about preaching that was his business he never departed from that as Luke recorded later he set his face steadfastly towards Jerusalem to do what to give his life as a ransom for men that's what Jesus that's his focus so firstly, I want you to 
walk with me through this passage. And the first point I want to show you is where he preached. And listen carefully to what the Bible is saying here. He went from city, from town to town, from city to villages. Now the Greek word there means he went about extensively. Now for those Greek fundies among us here, you can check that out, I'm not lying to you. He went about extensively. No road too difficult, too steep or too lonely. The area of his ministry was covered thoroughly from town to village, from city to village, whatever it is. The synagogues were open to him. But when they hear your sins are forgiven, oh, who's this man? Who can say your sins are forgiven? Didn't they have to know that God is in their midst? They were expecting Messiah. And when he arrived, they were too blinded. Even the Pharisees and the scribes and the very learned said, Oh, Judah, Bethlehem from Judah, if you are not too small. And they quoted everything, yet they were too blind to see. Why? Because Jesus came from Nazareth. But they didn't know when, where he was born. Do you see that? You see, when Jesus was pushed out of the synagogue, he went to the streets and the lanes and the marketplaces to preach the kingdom of God. And it was the burning passion that Christ had for his father's kingdom. Look, he says, after this, after that incident with that lady, that a lady of doubtful character could turn and be saved. The end of one opportunity to share God's kingdom with someone was the beginning of another opportunity to preach the kingdom of God. You and I must do that. That is your challenge. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ could not be confined to one little area because the light of the gospel of the kingdom was to shine in many areas. Here we assemble on a Sunday morning to hear the gospel preached to us. But from Monday to Saturday, you are from town to town and village to village, from house to house, to do what? To proclaim with your life the kingdom of God. People can see in your life that you are different. People can hear from your speech that you are a forgiven man or a forgiven woman. People can see in the way that you work in the workplace that you are forgiven, that there is something different in you. Your tea breaks are shorter than the rest. And you don't pack up five to five in the afternoon. You pack up exactly on five o'clock and then walk out there. And you don't steal the pencils like the rest of the world. And you don't take a writing pad and take it home with you when it belongs to the business. No, you are different, brother and sister. You are different because you are saved. 
Can you see that Jesus set an example to his followers that those whose business, the preaching of the kingdom of God is, should follow his example. And the fact is, the Bible mentions here towns and villages. And that indicates to us that Christ is also interested in the plain country people where you and I live. But he's also interested in the big cities where there are millions of people. Do you see that, brothers and sisters? Now, it depends not on you, but it depends on him who has called you to be here. Someone has asked recently, how do I know that I'm at the place where God wants me to be? You are here. That's where God wants you now. No other place. See, his desire was that everyone should hear the gospel of the kingdom of God. Listen to verse 4 of chapter 8. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. He was preaching to them. That verse states very clearly that a large crowd gathered to hear him and his message. Listen there to verse 19 of chapter 8. Ah, yeah, 19, verse 19 of chapter 8. It says there, Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. The people were drawn to him. Why? Because he preached the kingdom of God, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 40 says that a crowd welcomed him, for they were expecting him. You see, brothers and sisters, the world does not know it, and they don't want to admit it, but the world needs what? To be saved from their sin. Have you ever thought of this, brothers, that the cries of the millions and millions and millions of people are in the ears of our holy God. There is not a second of any day in this country where people are not crying. Do you know that? Because as you and I sit here today, 55 pe people are going to be murdered in this country. That is what statistics are telling us. Multiply that. By 365 and you get close to 25,000 the, the yearning the cries of the people in our country and that is not even including the rest of the world the world is crying what are they crying we hurt we have pain we suffer we die at the hands of crooks and whatever and we think they need to be getting out of poverty that is total rubbish. Don't believe it. People need to hear the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. But it's your duty to bring the poor the gospel of peace. In verse 45, Jesus was asking, who pressed against me? And his disciples said to him, Lord, and I think if they were speaking in true human language, they would have said to him, Jesus, are you crazy? I mean, look at the crowds. They are pressing in on you. And you ask, who has touched you? All of us are touching you. 
us need the Savior's hand of forgiveness of sins upon us. See, he was driven by this passion for his Father's kingdom and his tender heart filled with grace and mercy made our Lord Jesus Christ to always seek out the roads of the towns and the villages to get to the people to fulfill the words of Isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2 to preach the good news to the poor. Brothers and sisters, why was Jesus asking who touched him? He was seeking that soul that was in desperation to be touched and healed. Now let me tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, family of Christ, I need the Lord's touch day by day as I struggle with my own sins and as I struggle with lots of questions that I've asked in the recent past. And I need His hand of love and forgiveness. Secondly, what did he preach? He preached the good news of the kingdom of God. God was now setting up his good news among them. And this was the reason for his coming to earth. It was to set people free. Men and women and children. Setting them free from the bondage of sin. Someone said to me the other day, there are so many religions in this world. How do we know which one is the right one? Listen, there's two religions. Just two. The one where I work myself to death and I gain nothing. And the other one is where I admit that I am totally lost and only God can save me. That is the correct one because Jesus said so. Blessed is he who knows how dependent he is on God. For he will inherit the kingdom of heaven. He came to tell people everywhere that God was willing to take all those under his care that would come to him in faith, willing to make all their sins known to him and to repent of their sins and accept his forgiveness and live a life that is holy. Then to desire holiness. As Martin Lloyd-Jones said, if you don't desire holiness of life and action and attitude, don't call yourself a Christian. My brother and sister, is there a desire as a saved person that you be holy? Then pray if it's not there. You see, his good news was to reconcile man to God. He announced God's rule that sin will no longer have dominion where Christ is accepted as Savior and Lord. He was announcing that Christ ruled the hearts and the lives of men and women. That is why he came. That is what he preached. He preached a hope that would not be able to take away from us. 
he was preaching his rule built on a relationship of relationship of peace that will transcend all human understanding it is a rule that says your kingdom come your will be done lord whatever you bring over us on us in us through us let your kingdom come lord but use us for your glory and it speaks of complete salvation where earthly wealth and possessions are not the ruling factor but god's love and grace that is why these women of luke 8 verses 1 to 3 these women and many others who provided for them out of their means their business was this kingdom must go out this kingdom must be taken into this world you see because this rule of god is marked by the supernatural character of salvation it is a salvation that had its origin in heaven it is born from above that is where salvation comes from it is not something that man has thought out it is something that god has created in heaven and its foundation is truth and where it sets people free there is complete healing in luke 4 43 jesus told his disciples that it was for this reason he came to preach the kingdom of heaven but let's briefly look at his helpers and then we will end the bible says here that the 12 were with him and then also the women and at first these 12 were not there to preach they first had to witness his preaching of the kingdom they had to see the father's heart yearning to save the lost they saw it in his actions they felt it in his touch because john said we have seen him we have touched him we have heard him so brother and sister you first have to see with your eyes what scripture has revealed to you you first have to hear the voice that says come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest and when you have acted in faith upon that call of god you become one of his disciples and then he sends you out in mark 3 14 probably one of my favorite verses in the new testament it says he chose the 12 he designated them to be disciples so that they could be with him that he might send them out to preach you first have to be with christ before you can go out and do what these ladies had done and do what the disciples had done in the book of acts i want to conclude this morning with some something that i've read there was a large religious service being held at the golden gate exposition in san francisco 
many years ago. And many people quickly became aware that the minister delivering the main address there was, was not thoroughly orthodox, but he was a very talented, gifted speaker. And he began to direct most of his eloquence against the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now Ruth E. Marsden relates that when his fluent oratory ended, a very timid elderly lady stood up in the midst of the crowd and softly began to sing a great hymn by William Cooper. It's spelled Cowper, but it's Cooper. And as a touching rebuttal to the modernist remark, this lady was singing this song. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's sight. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty state. What was she singing? The gospel, the good news of God. Before she could sing the second stanza, the story goes on. Approximately a hundred people rose to join her. By the time she reached the third verse, nearly a thousand Christians all over the audience were singing that blessed song of faith. The triumphant, thrilling strains rang out loud and clear. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. And the story says further, many were deeply moved as that humble believer stood up for the Lord and with the light of heaven upon face. I challenge you this morning, my brother and sister, will you stand up with us and sing the last hymn this morning? Let us also serve our master and his interest like these ladies had done with their means. Maybe you want to go home and do something with what God has entrusted to you and invested in the kingdom that is proclaimed here in Mokopane. And I'm telling you, if you start investing in the kingdom of God and investing in each other's lives, God will change this church and the surrounding areas. Believe me, because this is what I see in God's word. Amen.